This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be chatting with Tristan Nielsen, a Fort St. John native who just signed an entry-level contract to play for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll talk about his journey from playing on the frozen ponds of Fort St. John to suiting up for a shot at the show in Vancouver. But first, the Peace River Regional District has pulled its support for a seemingly controversial idea of land uh, treaty land sharing after members of the public voiced strong opin, uh, opposition to the idea uh, based upon widely shared misinformation that was uh, shared on social media. So to chat about the idea itself and his experience with the public and other board members at some of the heated meetings in uh, of the board on the topic, we're joined now by the Mayor of Chetwind and member of the PRRD board, Alan Kutry. Alan, welcome to Moose Talks. Uh, thank you, Dub. Uh, it's... Uh... Nice to be here, and uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm very grateful uh, you've taken some time out of your day for us today. So I thought first we'd talk about treaty land sharing, just the concept of it. As as I mentioned, uh, there were some social media posts going on uh, around it about what it meant and, and what what this person thought it meant anyway and it was widely shared and it it didn't seem to align with the truth so i thought we'd start first with your understanding of of what this idea was and and sort of where it came from uh the understanding was that it uh, was mentioned by scion and dale uh, bonsted Mm -hmm. was that saskatchewan right and i was in a under conference in vancouver they presented some of the stuff, and we heard. Uh, I heard directly from uh, the people in Saskatchewan on the land sharing and uh, why it was necessary. Some of the stuff there in Saskatchewan with uh, land, it's uh, there is no land uh, because it's all uh, farmland. Most of it is farmland and cities, and so they do not have the land base at. Uh, British Columbia does uh, in terms of uh, provincial land. Mm -hmm. So they were having a little bit of a time. So with them uh, being in that situation, they figured that having a land sharing agreement where uh, uh, indigenous groups could cross their properties to get to their medicinal uh, uh, lands for uh, plants and uh, just be in their uh, traditional lands, which had been taken uh, in the past. That's all that I believe uh, uh, my understanding of the sign. And he had more information, uh, Dale Bumstead did, in a, when he presented to the PRRD. And I believe it was uh, some of the stuff that went out there was just piled. It seemed like it was uh, adding on to all the stuff that we've had going on in the piece. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a, uh, quite a difficult position to be sitting sitting at in the, in the PRRD. Mm-hmm. As you know, uh, I'm uh, from uh, I'm Indigenous ancestry, right? So I'm from Treaty 8. I am Treaty 8. So it was quite a difficult situation to be in, to uh, sit there and have all this go on around me. And uh, so I did go to the second meeting. I talked to my CAO and uh, in chat with here, Steve McLean, and I asked for some advice. And he says, well, you better go with how you're feeling. And that... Uh, 
June 8th meeting didn't make me feel very comfortable. And he says, well, there you go. So I didn't go to the second one. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my reasoning is that uh, if I was uncomfortable, I felt that it wasn't a good position for me to be in. So anyway, that was uh, that meeting, the second one that happened at uh, Fort St. John there, to uh, try to explain what uh, the land sharing meant. But there's, uh, there, there is some uh, good thought behind it. And it has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have it on our radar to say that this is uh, some of the stuff that neighbors have been doing in our area before, like in the Peace River Regional. And I'm certain in other areas too, the BC and in Canada, mm-hmm. where some of the land has been taken. And uh, and not to say that it was uh, farmers doing this, it was uh, our uh, being a political uh, entity myself, it would be on the political side that we said, yes, we were. We need people in Canada. And there was laws against uh, uh, for people to come in and homestead. So that was how we built Canada. Uh-huh. But on the other side of it, we've taken the traditional lands of uh, my ancestors and the ancestors of all the uh, people that live in reserve and off reserve they've taken that away. So that came to a head with all the stuff that we've been uh, doing here in the Peace River Regional District in our area with uh, caribou, the yahi, and the old growth. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, has been piling up on our uh, plate. And I think they came to voice their opinion. This is just my opinion, too, Uh is that people came to voice their opinion and be heard. All right. Well, um, we're going to dig into some of, uh, you know, your experience, as you said, as you mentioned, being uncomfortable at the meeting in just a second. But uh, the idea itself it was sort of, as I understand it, uh, you know, you mentioned that this was already something that was happening. Um, indigenous people would say to landowners, I'd like to access your land to, you know, uh, practice my way of life. They would come to some sort of an agreement. This was sort of institutionalizing that in some ways helping people to do that more and it's it's happening in saskatchewan as you mentioned already this was sort of the idea was floated but somehow it kind of got misconstrued to be about the government's making this happen and forcing landowners to do this when all along it seemed more like an opt-in program like we'd like to see this but nobody's gonna have you know their land taken away so it sounds like you you think the idea is a pretty decent one just kind of on those merits isn't it yeah, uh, we should make it uh, clear, Dub, that uh, yeah. forcing, that's what uh, the thought was. Somebody was going to be forced to do this. Mm-hmm. And in the Peace River Regional uh, uh, areas that I've been to and have uh, seen, because I believe I've been to uh, all the reserves trying to make my uh, way to their uh, treaty days and uh, Indigenous days, that it's been a good communication between the landowners and uh, the First Nations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe we we can't say that it we're going to force anybody to do anything. That that was the con- uh, somebody's uh, conceived idea was yeah. that yes we're gonna we're gonna do this for a little while and then we'll uh, make it mandatory in the in the future. So that that was the big crux in all of this that we had 
uh, we'll get them on, we'll talk to them, and then we'll uh, force them to do that. I, I believe that was uh, something that uh, I believe the other, uh, uh, when the landowners came and uh, to voice their opinion, no, we're not, we're not accepting this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was uh, something that it was way out there, but the idea itself was a good one. And we need to be able to say that it, it was good because that's what I heard. Uh, and uh, some of the stuff that uh, came out of our meeting, uh, I never heard any any remarks about uh, the Indigenous side. Mm-hmm. We had uh, poor uh, uh, audio, right, because we couldn't hear. Mm-hmm. Some of the mics went a little dead. So we were in a position of not even hearing our own chair. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of in a difficult position to to be in. Mm-hmm. But uh, as for trying to force anybody to know, I, and uh, trusting trusting government is a tough thing. And I believe that's why most, some of the people that were there moved into the, uh, to the country, Peace River country, to kind of get away from that kind of uh, environment. So, and to be trying to be forced into something that they didn't want to do was not to their liking. Did that response surprise you at all, Alan, when when you saw so many people who seemed so angry about the situation? And as you said, based upon kind of a misconception of what was going on, was that a surprise to you that that was the response it got when, you know, as we said, it it seemed like a a pretty good idea uh, when it came from Saskatchewan and when it was presented by, you know, Dale Bumstead? Uh, no, uh, when we talk about treaty rights and uh, uh, having having a document like the treaty and uh, getting into the treaty and saying that you have uh, have, do- have words in there that will give you the right to do what the treaty says. Mm-hmm. So anytime we talk about land, because uh, what we have is a treaty land entitlement, mm-hmm. the TLE. So when we start talking about uh, uh, land and uh, the treaty, then they're saying, well, we've already had these TLEs, TLAs, and uh, now we, I forgot to mention that some of the land that's been taken by Site C, mm-hmm. so that was from both uh, uh, from, from the indigenous and from, uh, uh, from uh, the farmers. Mm-hmm. So we have been told and they says we're just taking it so this is what uh, some of the stuff that happened so when we talk about treaty and uh, land that's I believe is normal mm-hmm. we just because people say that we're going to take your land we're going to make sure that this is uh, it belongs to you you paid for it even if we pay for it and uh, for fee simple and decide that we're going to take it and pay you regardless of uh, what you say. That's what uh, what kind of got people. And some of those uh, folks live right here in the peace and on the north north side of the river. Mm-hmm. They've experienced that. They've been uh, land's been taken from them. So I kind of smile and says this is normal, and kind of grin and say this is normal because uh, every time we talk about land and uh, land entitlement and uh, we have this conception that we're just going to, the indigenous groups are just going to take the land 
-hmm. And uh, right now in today's society, that that doesn't happen with uh, without the province and the federal government getting involved. And there's the two entities that we talk about, uh, the province and uh, the federal government. That's what happened here uh, with the Southern Mountain Caribou uh, Partnership Agreement. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with Site C. So there's a whole bunch of uh, items that we get to put on people's plate to think about. And it's uh, quite disturbing sometimes when you're a landowner and when you uh, belong to a treaty that the treaty says specifically says the right to live your mm -hmm. life right and that that's uh, pretty harsh on both sides when they're taking land away from you so we're we're in a, we're in a predicament right now where we're if we're going to talk about uh, land sharing it maybe talk to the people that are doing it right now so mm -hmm. and uh, there's some in the, in the area that have been doing that and so it uh, it should be uh, out there and it should be taken uh, with uh, that labor of it has been be going on for a while. Mm -hmm. All right, Al, now we're already almost out of time, sadly, I have to say. So I want okay. to get uh, kind of one more question in for you. Um, yep. In regards to kind of the second meeting that you were in attendance at and uh, uh, the final agreement that the board had after some debate uh, to draft the letter of apology to kind of the area First Nations uh, due to kind of the conduct of, of, of the board and, and, and sort of how they handled the public that was there in attendance and things that were said and whatnot. I just wanted your take on if, if you're happy with that or if you think the PRD needs to do a lot better in terms of moving forward and and acting kind of in a in a spirit of reconciliation uh, with people in Treaty Eight and, and beyond, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the PRD, but I sure. believe I, I was in the attendance when we uh, did the letter, and uh, I don't think it's out there, so I'm not going to speak on it because that's not fair to my chair okay. of the PRD and other directors. Uh, my my uh, opinion on uh, letters uh, of something that happened, uh, we have to be very careful where we walk. So that's that's the stuff that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't comment on that uh, at this time. I'm going to have to wait for the letter to be uh, given out to the public so, and to the to the residents and to the Treaty 8 because uh, it, it, it was a disturbing time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to comment on, on the letter itself. All right, Alan. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Um, I really appreciate you mm -hmm. taking some time, and I hope uh, you'll come back on the show again in the future. We can talk yeah, about the letter. Sure, we can uh, talk yeah. about lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about uh, uh, the closure of the mill and how uh -huh. Chetman's doing and uh, the gas. Uh, I'm certain there's a few subjects that we could uh, continue to talk about. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time today, Mayor Kutri. Thank you so much for being here. Okay. Thank you, Dub. Yep. And uh, thanks to the listeners for following uh, Moose FM. Absolutely. All right. That's the mayor of Chetwin, Alan Kutri, uh, joining us from Chetwin this morning. We'll be right back to talk to Vancouver Canucks forward Tristan Nielsen right after this on Moose Talks. 
Welcome back to the show. Now we're very glad to be joined by someone who's had quite the hockey journey, but recently signed an entry-level contract with the Vancouver Canucks. So to talk a bit about that journey, we're joined now by Vancouver Canucks prospect and Fort St. John native Tristan Nielsen. Tristan, welcome to Moose Talks. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for taking uh, some time with us. So I guess, first of all, congratulations on signing an entry-level contract with the Canucks. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Were you a Canucks fan growing up? Um, I mean, I, obviously, I always watched the Canucks being a BC kid. But yeah. I'd say I was kind of always a Boston Bruins fan, so it's a, <laughs> a little bit of a conflict, or interest <laughs> conflict or conflict of interest. So, and, uh, you know, one of the players I, I kind of idolized my game off of is Brad Marchand. So it, uh, it really doesn't look good, but no, I always, I always watch the Canucks and, um, you know, watching the Sedins and, and, uh, mm-hmm. guys like that it was always, uh, fun to do. I mean, the Sedins were my mom's favorite players, so it was kind of like, we'd always watch them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about your journey a bit, because of course you you played um, you know minor hockey, if I can call it that, here in Fort St. John. Before, uh, as I understand, you got drafted into the WHL. Uh, or no, I apologize. Actually, I'm skipping a step. You went to Calgary to the Edge School. So, tell me a bit about that, how that happened, and and why you ended up there, and why you thought you, you should go there to kind of train and 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 continue to hone your skills. My uh, my uncle. Ken Wagner, he's from Fort St. John. He actually lives in Calgary, and he always kind of told my dad that I should get down there because it's a really good school. Uh-huh. And so we kind of went and toured it one day, and that's when we kind of decided that that's where I need to be if I if I'm going to be like a become a hockey player. So I was I was fortunate enough to have my dad move with me, and we we moved there. My dad still lives in Calgary and stuff, so we went there and. It was awesome. I mean, it was a it was a really good school. It was awesome for my development. It uh, it definitely is a reason why I am where I am. Mm-hmm. And of course, you uh, you know you end up in the dub playing for the Calgary Hitmen. Um, as part of your journey, you ended up in Vancouver. Um, tell me a bit about that being traded as as kind of a major junior player. Um, it does happen, uh, but. Kind of a big step for somebody uh, kind of in that age group to move from one city to another. Uh, how do you think that impacted your development um, when you get drafted by one team, but you get traded to another to kind of almost like a bit of a refresh or restart? Uh, well, to be honest, I, I actually asked for a trade out of Calgary. Yeah. Um, you know, I just felt uh, felt like I needed to switch it up. And honestly, I think it was one of the best things for me as like a, a human being because I I was kind of always spoiled, obviously, having my dad at home with me all the time and kind of drive me to the rink or whatever I needed, he was there. But when I went there, it was kind of, you're at a build house, you got to learn how to cook, you got to learn how to to get along with, like, they had younger kids, and I've, I've always been the baby. So uh-huh. um, it was fun having, like, little brothers and just, like, things like that and getting along with a whole new family, living kind of nowhere near any family or anything like that. It was, uh, it was just a really cool experience, and I feel like I really... Like it helped me grow up. Mm-hmm. Did you enter the NHL draft and and go undrafted, or was that kind of even really on your? Yeah, you did. Okay, 
So that yeah, I, I went undrafted all three years. Mm-hmm. So you know that happens, and you kind of—is there a part of you that says, "Well, that that dream might be over for me," but you kept kind of playing hockey, or was that something still in the back of your mind? I I might still get my shot if I keep working on this, just kind of going a different route than you kind of at least normally hear about, at least in the media. Well, originally I was supposed to go to an NHL camp, but then COVID hit. So I knew there was interest in me, but I just didn't have the draft status, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, the draft's obviously a big deal, but how many players get drafted and never play a professional game of hockey? Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's no different than how many players go undrafted and play a professional game of hockey. Like, it uh, doesn't really matter. And my dad was always right. You know, you kind of, if you continue to get better, you're, you're going to get to where you want to be. And then, so you end up in the uh, the American Hockey League with the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, in your time there, without an entry-level kind of a contract with Vancouver, was there ever, a, I guess, was there ever the prospect of being called up by the big club while playing for their farm team? Or did you, have to, did you lack a status that you, you now have with this entry-level contract? You, you do lack a status because when you're on an AHL deal, you can't actually play in the NHL, but mm-hmm. they could always sign you to an NHL deal and call you up the same day. Like I it's, see. So at the end of the day, like it's also, I could have been called up, but I I just think that you know they, they had their prospects and everything, and I think no matter what, the organization was awesome with not, like especially in the AHL, they didn't look and say, like oh, this guy's a first-rounder. He needs to play above the guys that are on AHL deals. They were whoever the best players are is going to play, and I think... I think it's going to be no different moving forward. But, no, I've seen guys, uh, I mean, my first year pro, so two seasons ago now, um, Sautner, he, he was on an AHL deal. He was about, 20, I think he's 27, 28-ish mm-hmm. AHL deal, and they, they just transferred it to an NHL deal, and he got called up, and he played in the NHL for a few months, or maybe not a few months, maybe like a month. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens, and it's, it's very realistic. I just I think I still needed some development, and I'm hopefully this year I can get some games. But... If not, I I'm, I just need to keep developing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you had a great season last year. I mean, forty-one points in in the NHL or AHL, I should say, is uh, pretty darn good. So, were you expecting this entry-level deal to kind of come your way now, or or was that kind of a big surprise when the big club called up and said we'd like to we'd like to give you this shot? Um, I definitely think it wasn't really a surprise. I think I I really deserved it, and I think uh, you know I kind of. Uh, I walked the walk and then I talked the talk. So I think uh, I was prepared for this. But uh, obviously with any contract, there's negotiations. So mm-hmm. I was very happy with this contract. And I really wasn't expecting this contract. But um, I think uh, moving forward, obviously, I just hope I can keep uh, proving the organi- organization right by you know taking a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to ask, and I I really don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy, but of course the Canucks have had a few challenging years, uh, kind of since the Sedin era ended. Um, what do you think that that means for you in terms of just getting on a team that's still kind of in a rebuild mode, maybe, and 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 your opportunity that you might be able to break into this lineup, uh, you know, a couple times this season, or maybe even permanently at, at some point. Um, I haven't really done too much thinking on it. I mean, it's any other team. I mean, if you're good enough to play it, you're going to find a spot. So mm-hmm. whether it be the best team in the league or the worst team in the league, it, it genuinely doesn't matter, in my opinion. 
Um, I think, I honestly think they've just had some tough luck. Like, I think uh, the organization's really, really good. Like, it's, uh-huh. a, it's a first-class organization. I, I haven't seen anything wrong with it, and I, I genuinely mean that. So um, I'm just looking forward to going into camp and just kind of doing me and, and seeing what happens, seeing kind of where my puzzle piece fits in the organization. Awesome, Tristan. Well, we're really grateful you took a few minutes to chat with us uh, here. Uh, We're going to keep in touch, of course, and uh, watch your career closely. And uh, good luck in training camp, I suppose, uh, in September, Tristan. Thanks so much for being here. No, thank you. All right, that's Tristan Nielsen, a Vancouver Canucks prospect who was born and raised here in Fort St. John. Big thanks to our guests, Alan Gutry and Tristan Nielsen, for joining us today. If you'd like to hear this episode again, or if you'd like to hear an old episode of Moose Talks, Moose Talks, pardon me, make sure you check out the energeticcity.ca podcast page. You'll find past episodes of this show there, along with all uh, old episodes of Secrets of the North, Before the Peace, and Voices of the Peace, archived for your listening pleasure. Take some time to listen to excellent locally produced podcasts today over at energeticcity.ca slash podcast. That's our show. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Socks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.